Welcome to Main Street Politics. I'm your host, Daniel Bonham. With us today, Suzanne Weber, House District 32, freshman legislator, former mayor of Tillamook, former small business owner, former teacher. Yes. I I spent three years teaching in Minnesota, one year in a small town in northern Minnesota called Warren, which is about 30 miles from Grand Forks, 30 miles from Crookston, 30 miles from Thief River Falls. And on a clear winter night, you can see the lights of all three. That's how flat it is. Yeah. But it was uh, a really good good experience. Uh, my classroom was uh, 20 feet wide and 50 feet long. And on a lot of mornings when I came to school, I had a, a drift in there because the windows were bad and <laughs> you'd have to shovel before you started school on the inside. But it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, then I went right to Fridley, Minnesota, and I spent two years there. And then, I, like I say, I got this wild hair that I had to have adventure in my life. I got a job offer in San Jose yeah. and um, asked my girlfriend if she wanted to go with me. And California was out of the question for her. So I thought, well, maybe we could go to Washington. She said, nope, I have too many relatives there. <laughs> so we decided on Oregon and we drove around and of course, we had to choose this time in our life when there was a glut of teachers on the market. Yeah. And we knew we weren't going to get a job, but uh, we did manage to get a job. It was uh, kismet. We were staying with her cousin in Corvallis, and he had uh, five children and no job. And he said one night, I'm going to sit in a bar until I feel better or I find you guys a job. And so he came back a couple hours later, and he said, well, I... Don't feel any better, but I did manage to find you two a job. And he had been sitting next to a gentleman in the bar and it, pouring his heart out, his sad, hard luck story. And the guy said, well, there's two jobs in Tillamook. So he wrote Tillamook's telephone number on a, a cigarette pack. And the guy came back home, gave us that. We called. We got an interview. And we knew we didn't have a job. It was a dismal interview. <laughs> so we decided we're going back to Minnesota. I said, I will waitress or I will substitute. And the next morning, we had this call. If you girls want to come over and sign your contracts, they're ready for you. Ah, uh, no kidding. And we didn't know who in the world this was that we, you know, owed the thanks for the job to until we were at the um, opening luncheon and this man came up to us and introduced himself and said, are you the girls from Minnesota? Well, yes, we were. And then he told us the story of meeting uh, Carol's cousin in the bar and all this. Well, it turns out that that was Bob McFeeters. He turned, he became the mayor of Tillamook and he was the mayor of Tillamook for 28 years before he decided to retire, and then I took over for him. Yeah. And so I uh, filled the job um, for 10 years, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. It was very challenging because you have to be part politician and part community member, and you have to know that when the doorbell rings, it might be someone who's really mad at the city of Tillamook, and you're going to have to diffuse the situation, and you're going to have to find a, a way so that we can all be winners. And I, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. 
I could be walking the dog and a car would come streaming up beside me and get out and start shaking their finger and yelling at me. And another problem, we'd find a solution. And that's how you fell in love with politics was people in cars and doorbells and doorbells and angry people. And you said, I, well, this, I can help you. We can do this. Yeah. This is an opportunity. Right. <laughs> right. So when you met Bob and he was mayor, you were yes. teaching though. Yes. But was it that relationship that inspired he, you to get into politics? Um, no. The real, the real reason I got into doing it was when I retired, I told my, I had a third grade class and I had had them for, this was their second year that we had been together and we had a really strong bond. And I told them that I was going to retire. And we did career education every year. What are you going to be when you grow up? How, you know, explore some weird things that we could do with our lives. And uh, they'd always say, well, Mrs. Weber, what are you going to be when you grow up? I thought, oh, well, I'm going to be mayor. So one little girl stood up by her desk, and it was one of those, she just stood quietly up, and she said, do you think you could get this out of your system next year and then come back and teach us fifth grade? I thought, oh, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But maybe I will be mayor. So that's how I got to be mayor. Was it that following year? No, it wasn't. I spent several years in uh, retail because I had, uh, my sister-in-law and I had two uh, retail businesses. And uh, then I spent eight years on the uh, council. And I think when we first met, and I knew this about you, right? I knew that you had been an educator. I knew that you had been a small business owner. I knew that you had served an office uh, in Tillamook. Yes. And I thought, this is who we need in Salem, right? We need somebody with a wealth of experience. Uh, in, in specifically in our Republican caucus, we don't always uh, attract educators. Right. So to have you and Representative Wright, uh, Boomer, come in and, and as educators. And thank you. Uh, Tremendous asset to our caucus now, and you're both serving on education committee. Yes. And so with that experience, and you come with practical, real-world business experience, government experience, and education experience, and you come, and you start to experience this process, and you're in the education committee, is it what you expected? It's every bit what I expected, and um, more. Is that is and, that and, and exciting I, or frustrating? I have to tell you that it's very. It, it, it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I'm frustrated because we're moving at the speed of government, which you know is not necessarily really fast, but it's deliberate and it's thoughtful, and I appreciate that. It's a little frightening because of the implications of everything that could possibly happen as a result of what you do, uh, but I, I'm learning so much about the way government beyond the city works, and. Uh, you know, how it uh, applies to all of our lives. And I, I'm really happy to be here. So I'm curious, though, going back to being an educator, what inspired you to get into into that? Because at one point, uh, through your storytelling here, you've said that you were willing to go be a waitress and substitute. But why, why education? Why a teacher? Well, I decided when I was little that I was going to be a hairdresser. And I have had a mother who was very determined to make sure that all of her children completed college and were successful. And she had this master plan, and it was called 
drying the dishes. And drying the dishes meant she washed, you dried and put away, and she gave you a map for your life while we were doing that. And I didn't realize until later what it was, the seeds that she was planting. And, you know, she always said, you know, when we were doing dishes, oh, I like the way you approach this. I like the way you do this. You know, you'd make a really good teacher. And when you go to college, you can do that. And you'll be able to make money and you'll be able to travel the world. And she put all of these ideas into our heads while we were busy drying dishes. And so it was just assumed, I assumed I was going to be a teacher. Yeah. I taught, you know, religious ed, and I had a choir in church when I was 14 um, that I managed, and I was always in 4-H, and I was on in every club there was in school. Yeah. It just, I just knew I was going to be a teacher. So do you sing? No. Oh that. my gosh, we had a real opportunity because earlier today we recorded an episode with Boomer Wright, yes. and he says that he was part of a band and he sings. We we know Representative David Brock Smith loves karaoke. I thought we were onto something. No, here. I'm the piano player. The piano player. I took piano lessons for 18 years, if you can imagine. No, fair enough. That's you know, a, not everybody needs to be behind the microphone. No, I I played for the chorus and the choir, but you have to remember the school I went to. There were only 23 in my graduating class, so you could be just about anything you wanted to be in that school. <laughs> were you voted anything most likely to become a teacher? Um, no, it wasn't most likely to be a teacher. Uh, I forget what I was um, voted for. I... Most likely to move to Tillamook and become mayor. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was class pre- senior class president and... And um, I was involved in all that. I was the only girl to major, uh, to, to get major in and letter in four sports in high school. Which when four? We, Which four? Baseball, football, basketball, and track. Awesome. And you know what? I never once played in the game. I was the scorekeeper. And so, <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> I, I was all excited when you said you played no. football. I was like, "Woo!" Oh yeah, I did um, stats and scorekeeping all the way um, through high school. The biology teacher told me I would be really good at that, and he would train me, and and that's what I did, and I loved that. Too. Do you love sports to this day? Um, I yes. Yeah, that's fun. So you you have taken all this life experience. You've come here. You're engaged in the education committee. I, I'm curious. You've got some bills. You've got the uh, virtual school bill. Yes. You've got our fun schools first bill. You've got some infrastructure and rural community request needs. Broadband. I If I can get something done in broadband so that I can expand uh, virtual learning um, for uh, uh, rural areas, I'll be happy. And I and I think the governor's on board with that too. She feels that that's important. I feel that that's extremely important. Yeah. We have been working on this since I've been in the building and getting a clear map and understanding of where we have current access, what that access looks like because not all high-speed right. internet looks the same. Some can be a cell phone reception qualification. Some can be fiber. Right. And others can be 
microwave transmission versus you know the the hard infrastructure. So uh, it is a complex issue. It is. And identifying the most readily available shovel ready projects is is another step that I, I'm hoping that that. Broadband right. office will help us. I hope so too. Deploy assets in the most effective and meaningful way sooner than later. And we took when we did our uh, Highway Six One Hundred One exchange and you know remodeled how the highway went through Tillamook. Mm-hmm. We made sure that every the conduits and everything were in the ground so that you know we could we could have that internet connectivity and that fiber there. Uh, without having to tear up any streets or add, add additional poles or, you know, that sort of thing. We made sure that that was in the ground for that area. So, and then we do have, you know, broadband, uh, the wave um, there in Tillamook that mm-hmm. is moving forward also that has garnered a lot of uh, funds to be able to move it forward. Uh, and, you know, I, I see hope. I have hope for this. So one of the things we've kind of had as a common theme on this show since we've been doing it is talking to candidates about who should be a candidate. And and in your case, because you're new to this, I, I kind of want to reflect on why I thought you were such a wonderful candidate. Articles were written about the North Coast and, and the coast in general as to how it would flow with you know Trump's election and this, that, and the other. And the comment that was made about the North Coast was that it was a purple area. And that was was another representative, David Gomberg, that said that about your district. And when we first met, and again, your life experience, you know, I found very impressive. But the other thing that I found impressive was that you were engaged in the community and specifically in your neck of the district, well known. How important is it to, to know your district, to know people in your district and to have those local connections? It's extremely important to be connected with people. To be um, to be open, to be able to talk to people on a variety of issues, and know what their passion is and how they live, and what they uh, what they hope to gain, without having any kind of a label on it. What's best for what where we live yeah. and what we're doing and what we hope to do. That's what's got to be prominent uh, in our minds. Your former, well, one of your predecessors, Representative Deb Boone, just yes. still a friend. Yes. When I'm on the coast, I've had a chance to connect with her. And it's wonderful. I, I think, not to speak on her behalf, but I think she'd be very pleased to see the approach that you're taking in the building, to see the the way that you are pragmatic and, and taking each issue at its face value and, and then trying to learn and evaluate uh, based on its own merits. I, I think she would love that. And, and again, I enjoyed serving with her and I'm looking forward to serving with you more. Tillamook is going to be featured. I don't know. Maybe we're, are we breaking news with this? Is it, maybe people don't know this, but we're going to break the news here. If top people chef. don't all, Top chef. Top chef. Right? You bet. Coming to Tillamook. Coming to Tillamook. And talk about that, the hospitality industry and the importance of hospitality on the coast. Oh, it's extremely important. And, you know, Tillamook is one of the hidden gems of the coast because Tillamook, per se, is not on the beach. We are the dairy lands. We are surrounded by farms, and on beyond that is the forest. And so when, um, you know, we have lamented the fact that we are a pass-through to get to the beach, to get up and down the coast, 
But the one anchor that we have that draws millions of people into our community and encourages them to stay and explore the area is Tillamook cheese. Yeah. And and what a gift that is. The, all of those farmers around that whole area are contributing to that. Right. Um, I was so pleased to hear that Top Chef uh, was going to uh, be involved with with Tillamook cheese and the the big the new um, the footage that I've seen. You know, going up to Kelly's Marine, going and you know seeing where the areas are along the coast in the Tillamook County um, venue is just it's marvelous. Yeah, and Kelly's Marina especially because my granddaughter worked there and it's, it's what got her started on her um, journey currently. And bring that back to the cheese factory, to the farmers, uh, to the to the people that work on the farms. I mean, right next to our community, we've got a, a huge dairy that is contributing to the financial well-being of our whole community. Tell me about the fishermen that use gill nets. Gill netting is a, a very, it's a very important industry because it's the industry that is providing the fish for our restaurants and for um, our consumers all up and down the coast. That wonderful fresh fish that you go to have fish and chips and um, along the coast. And it is a familial thing. You'll see that families pass the tradition down to their children and they can look back and see that their grandpa or their great grandpa was a gill netter and they are responsible fishermen. I I just can't say enough about the value of what they contribute. I think that's one of the misnomers that I've come across being in this building is that there's this perception that people that utilize natural resources to earn a living are willing to abuse natural resources, which is just absolutely not the case. And it you've is got this not the case. Diverse landscape, right? You have national right. forest, you've got coastal uh, range into the beachside ocean front. Yes. And natural resources is a huge part of that community. Oh, yes, it is. And multiple generations. I, I think you were making this point right. uh, tied to gill netting that, you know, this is trade craft that's passed down from generation it to is. generation. And there's pride there. And it the key... Is of course, for those folks that want to make a living off of this, is sustainability. Yes. And, you know, they're making sure that it is sustainable also. They're not over-harvesting, and they're not damaging any of the sport fishing uh, either. They're uh, they're providing a, a service for and a product for a lot of people that enjoy that fish, that fresh fish. So this has been an odd year with yes. COVID. And the inability to get out and and get to the community. And in years past, I put 30,000 miles on my car going to every meeting around my district. Well, people aren't inviting me to meetings. They're sending me Zoom links. Yes. So is that um, how you're connecting with, with the... That's basically how I am connecting. However, I did take one Saturday just recently because I felt that I needed to go up and talk to the people at the hospital. I needed to, you know, stand out in a parking lot and talk to the people in the marine field, in the building field. So I went up there and we stood in safe surroundings with masks on 
and had long conversations, uh, and I appreciated that. Because other, I'm glad there wasn't a book that they passed out on how you were supposed to campaign, because I would have had to have thrown it away. Right. So a lot of things were reinvented this year. Some good, uh, some not so good. Uh, but I, I do feel that, you know, telephone and computer um, are all ways that I have been able to um, keep in contact with people. The college presidents, I've been able to do Zoom. I've had the um, meetings face-to-face with the masks to talk about that. Groups, uh, we've gotten together, but outside, with masks on, and had some really good conversations. You know, but that's always a danger on the coast because you could get rained out. So you really did take the playbook for campaigning, and you threw it out the window because between you and your competitor, you set a record, according to the Willamette Week article, at 2.2 million. Your your opponent in this last election cycle uh, raised a whopping 1.36 million, and you raised 904,000. Uh, they say you broke the record previously held by Rep. Janelle Bynum and, and her opponent, Lori chavez Dreamer at $2 million. How does it feel to be a record setter? Well, I, <laughs> um, I had no idea that that was going to be the result of it. But the thing that I was so, um, I felt so good about was the uh, the political contributions from the people who lived in my district. And, and I think part of that is because I spent how many years reaching out to people. Um, and when you think back about how many first graders I had over the years and their parents and their grandparents, you know, all of those different connections um, also. But the the people that reached out to me and contributed to my campaign, it, it was overwhelming to me that I had so much support. So it's very humbling. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I'm going to bring it up because before we went live on the air, we were talking about uh, the outpouring of support that your late husband received. Yes, that was overwhelming. My husband was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic stage four pancreatic cancer on the 23rd of December in 2014. And I know that because that is my birthday. Mm. Um, All our kids managed to come home and we got to spend one last Christmas together as a whole family. Um, I have three stepchildren and two um, of my own children. And then over the next how many months until the 23rd of October when he passed away. The The amount of support that we had from the community, people just were, it was amazing. Now, Tom was an amazing person. Um, he was very, very active in our church. Um, he had been the fire chief for 10 years. He came from a family whose father had been in charge of the traffic department of the cheese factory for 50 years. He was a longtime truck driver. He drove 
lumber out and hay in. He worked for all of the major farms at some point in time in his life. He owned a farm. He had a lot of personal uh, relationships with people. And through my relationships through school and through the community, we, we had a really broad base. And uh, when he passed away, there were 520 people at his funeral. Um, a funeral usually runs about 100 people, 125 people in our church. This was overwhelming. When I walked in there and I saw the number of people, I knew the support that we as a family had in going through this. And, you know, to see the the firemen in their uniforms, and to see the, the truck drivers from the farms that he had worked with. Mm -hmm. Because they'd call him up and they'd say, Tom, how do you get to so-and-so's farm? And he would say, let me look in the book. And he would <laughs> take his book out and he'd say, well, you go so many miles here and you turn at this and you, there's, and, and they did, they did this. He knew where, how to get to every farm in Oregon, I think. Yeah. But it was that support that told me that our family would make it, make it through. And, and it once again reinforced, uh, you know, how important family is and uh, how well, we could go forward. And, and a that, motivation for you to And that to was serve, motivation right? yeah. for me to be able to go forward politically also. That's awesome. Like that really is meaningful. And that's, I think that's the, the part, you know, when people look at the, the legislative process and sometimes can look, whether it's at DC or Salem and say, oh, the swamp. But when you get down to people's motivation on an individual level and you see the care and compassion that they have for their neighbors and what they want Oregon to be. Yeah. I, I love those stories. And so I, I thank you for sharing that. I, I know it's always tough to talk about a loved one, but, uh, but it really is inspiring. And I'm glad that you're able to now return the favor to the community yes. and come here and do something impactful for them. Yes. I, I appreciate, I appreciate being able to be here so much. So what is a question that I haven't asked that I should have asked? Well, you could have asked me about my grandkids. They're astounding. Right. <laughs> How many grandkids do you have? I have uh, four granddaughters that live in California and one grandson who lives in California. And I have uh, two grandchildren that live, uh, Basically grew up in the Tillamook area, and then I have another granddaughter who um, grew up in uh, Gresham. And last night, we spent um, time listening to the fire chief of uh, South County up in the Seattle area. She's uh, number one paramedic EMT. Uh, great job. Uh, looks wonderful in her uniform, and she is set. My, um, What's have, her name? Danielle Hill. So Danielle Hill, if you're listening to this, your grandmother's face is beaming with pride. <laughs> you, I, I'm sure you're going to be able to hear it in her voice, but I, I wish you had a photo of your grandmother right now talking about you. That's fantastic. And then we've got Chloe. And Chloe went to, um, she's one of my Tillamook grandchildren, and she went to um, Hawaii because she wanted to be a marine biologist and got lonesome for us and came back and went to TBCC, which I can't say enough about community colleges and all they can provide for a community. Yes. And yeah. now she is up in Seattle going to professional dive school so that she can be an underwater welder in a, on, a, on an oil rig in the Gulf. 
So, you know, look at that. Look what they can do. But I do, I get curious, you know, one of the fascinations I've had with our education system, and I, I you know, as my kids went through public schools and the progression of what do you want to be when you grow up? And what do kids want to be? They want to know, uh, well, they want to be what they've been exposed to, what they know, right? right? So both my kids, when they were very young, they wanted to be a teacher or they wanted to be a youth pastor because, you know, they were involved in the church. And so it was a challenge for me to say, how do I get my kids exposed to more things, right? How do I get them to see what else is out there in the world? And, you know, they can see professional athletes on TV, they can see news media, but they don't necessarily, like, those people almost are unreal to them. Right. And similarly, to see an astronaut would be unreal. And how do I put that within my kids' grasp? How do I get them to wrap their mind around, I could do that? And then determine for themselves right. what that, they want to be. That is, that is such, uh, that, that's a hard job to do, to be able to see the value in all of these other um, professions. I, uh, I don't know how you do that, but you do have to just continually expose your children to other ways of life and the value of life and the value of what people's professions are. Right. I I remember you talking about this during your campaign, and it was in the context of the cap and trade conversation and and knowing how the economy works and and having all those factors weigh in in a policy discussion, but having the local understanding of what your husband did with the trucking. Yes. And how goods get to market. Right. And then, you know, I've got I've got one daughter who's in uh, property management. I've got one daughter who's in uh, finance, financial planner. Um, I've got a son who works for a big mill, a, a big company that builds mills up in Canada. Uh, I've got, you know, kids in California that are in the... Um, in the well, well, what do you call it when you you manage resorts and uh, event planners and and that sort of thing? Um, I mean, the broad um, careers paths that they have chosen are really really um, interesting. I have to say, I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have predicted some of them myself. So, what are your other committee assignments? You you're on education. Housing. Housing. Yes. And I've been on the Housing Commission for the county uh, since its inception because we have such a need uh, in our area for additional housing. We do not have the amount that we need to meet the 20-year inventory at this time. And you're also on early child development? Early childhood, yes. Early childhood. Yes. And what is the focus of that committee? Well, it's taking that cradle to when they get to school and making that meaningful, taking all of the parts that are on all of the different committees that we have and putting them together as one and focusing on all of those preschool and early learning opportunities that kids have. It's, you know, our Head Start and and our ESDs and child care, all of those things. I find that very, very interesting because for four of those 30 years that I taught in Tillamook, I had a special class called junior primary. And it was before kindergarten was uh, mandatory. And so I took 
I went shopping and I went to first grade classes and I saw kids that weren't succeeding. Yeah. And so I got to pick out a class from the school district and bring them back. And we spent one whole intense year of readiness and pre-reading and getting used to being in school. And maybe it was just learning to write our name. Uh, that was a very valuable uh, experience for me, seeing the what it was that children needed at an early age, and if their parents weren't able to provide it for them because they were busy working and it wasn't available in childcare, uh, there needed to be an avenue to expose children to that kind of education to then uh, guarantee their success later in their education. So back to the building. Yes. What is something so far that has surprised you about this process? Well, <laughs> how many people aren't here? Yes, I understand. It is um, it is the time. Um, it is the circumstances we have to live with. I can see that there is a lot of energy that comes from being in this building. A lot can get done by people being in this building. And uh, I I think that that's missing, and hopefully we'll be able to gain that in the near future. Um, the other thing I'm I'm learning is how much reading I've got to do. Absolutely. Now, let me tell you, I love to read mysteries. Yeah. My husband always said it was my way of, of taking out my aggressions. I could read about murder, and I didn't have to do it. <laughs> But that's kind it's of good a, to know that's in kind the next of crass. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, the reading and the learning of uh, you know the wordsmithing and the um, the etiquette that goes along with all of uh, participating in all of these committees uh, is really really interesting. Yeah, it's good that you like to read because it really is. A heavy lift in this job is making the time mm -hmm. to read all the material. Yes, and the people that do, you'll watch in committee. Those are the people that are a little more engaged, and it's very helpful to have pre-read what you're about to hear. Oh, yes, form your questions it is. ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your yes. favorite part of the job so far? Well, um, I guess just being in this building and and knowing the gravity of what I can do, right? what one person can do if they are committed and uh, they have that eagerness to learn and to accomplish something. Perfect. I know it sounds kind of Pollyanna, doesn't it? But I just, I just see this as a, just a wonderful, wonderful experience, a learning experience. Well, and you said your mom lived to be... A hundred years old. A hundred years old, yes. So you got, you know, another Well that's what I figured. 30 years I got another this. thirty years to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. Well, Sincerely. Thank you. I, I from the moment I met you, I I thought, Oh my gosh, this is this is the person that needs to be our candidate. Thank you. You know, as a Republican, you know, I, I really think it's important that we showcase to all Oregonians who we are and the diverse nature of what it means to be a Republican. Right. And you and I do not agree probably 100% philosophically on all things, and yet we both identify with the same party. Right. And uh, 
And the other thing that you may not know, you maybe you do, but you have inherited my old office on the fourth floor. That's what I understand. Yeah. It's a I cool felt, spot. I felt the aura. Yes. So my predecessor, John Huffman, who had been here, you know, years and years and years, I think he was here 11 years. So, you know, as you move up in seniority, you get to pick an office. So he was where he wanted to be. And so as a rookie inheriting that office, I thought, hey, I'm in a good spot. Yes. And I was surprised the following year when no one took it from me. Because they can do that when you're an appointee and you, when yes. your first election, you go to the bottom of the the heap when it comes to prioritizing office selection. So I got to stay, which was fun. But you've got a wonderful neighbor in Greg Smith who's yes. been here now twenty plus years. He's in his eleventh cycle. Isn't God that bless something? him. But the fourth floor is where the fun happens. I will say that on the second floor, you know with leadership and a speaker and the majority leader then the third floor we got the minority leader and they tend to be partisan floors you know for the most part the second floor is all democrats for the most part the third floor is all republicans the fourth floor you got a mix of folks up there you get some really fun people too like rep lively yes he's a hoot and you got rep lewis next door i mean you guys are gonna have a good time up there on the fourth floor i think so one of the challenges you have that uh, we kind of threw down the gauntlet when we were up there. We like to get in early. We like to turn up the music, you know, before eight o'clock, you know, when it's still acceptable. I've been getting there be about seven o'clock on perfect. Tuesdays. So yeah. seven o'clock, you get the radio up and you start just singing to the best of your ability and see if you can get some people to join in. Okay. That's what that office does. That's what I've heard. Okay. I'll work on that. <laughs> that's a good commitment and then i'll i'll put your name <laughs> suggested by suggested playlists <laughs> suggested like by bonham i like it you could <laughs> we could have a whiteboard out front so thank you so much for taking the time coming to visit with us well, we appreciate it thank you for asking me yeah this is fun i i always enjoy getting to know people and giving you a chance to showcase your thoughts to the world and I'm sure that your Twitter page and your Facebook page are going to blow up once you have this exposure. I'm sure they will. No, sincerely, thank you for joining no, us today. and Thank you for asking me. And thank you, the listeners, for coming back by again. Main Street Politics, remember, if you need to get a hold of us, here in the office, 503-986-1459, or our district office is 541-719-8745.